Welcome to another episode of Empowering You, focusing on fine-tuning and owning your voice, as well as asserting yourself as a powerful woman, a podcast filled with personal stories and real-world examples that can be applied immediately. It's a new day. Own your voice and embrace you with your host, Shantara Chapman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Empowering You, a podcast about helping you to understand, refine, and own your voice. And today, I am so happy that we have a wonderful guest joining us today, Miss Janelle Fort. How are you? I am good. How are you doing this, I guess, this afternoon? Yeah, yeah, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. And so... For our listeners who don't know who you are, can you give us a little bit of a little synopsis about who you are and what you do here in Houston? Yeah, so I am the breaking news reporter for K2U 11 News. Our morning show is called H-Town Rush. So starting at 4.30 every day, I'm out in the field uh, on the big breaking news stories from overnight and early morning, just kind of giving people a runaround of everything that's happening in Houston for that day. 4.30 in the morning. I'm just... 4.30 in the morning. <laughs> so what time do you go to bed in order to be at work and ready to go at 4.30 in the morning? You know what? I get asked this a lot, and it's, <laughs> it depends what sleep schedule I decide to be on that day. Um, sometimes I do the 4 and 4 method, where I'll sleep about four hours when I get off work, take a nap, get up, operate during normal people times and then go back to sleep around like nine, 10 o'clock and get another four hours of sleep. Um, or if I'm trying to get a straight eight or straight close to eight, I don't think I ever get a straight eight, but I'll go to sleep around like seven, seven thirty, just whenever I can kind of fall asleep. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Well, I mean, I applaud you for even being able to do that because 4.30, I should be in some really good sleep. I, <laughs> I mean, it should be feeling really good and I don't want to get up. Typically, I'm up about 5.45 or 6 o'clock, but man, by 4.30, I, I think I'd still be really, really cranky. So I definitely applaud anyone who can be up and not just up, but actually on and you're like ready and camera ready at 4.30. So we appreciate you and the efforts of giving, bringing us the news that early in the morning. Oh, thank you. So I, I'm, I'm always curious to understand, you know, the journey to being, you know, uh, in your industry. Yeah. So to me, how did you begin uh, in this industry? Is this something that you've always wanted to do or did, you know, another path take you this way to being in the news and being in media? I definitely uh, took the non-traditional route to my current role. Um, when I went to college, I went to Cornell for undergrad, and uh, I thought I wanted to be a communications lawyer. My end-all, be-all was to work for the Federal Communications Commission. So I uh, studied communication and, so- and sociology. I was pre-law, and I kind of got mixed into some media organizations. I remember my freshman year, a group of upperclassmen were creating this organization called CUBE, Cornell University Black Entertainment, and they wanted me to host the show. <laughs> And I was like, okay, I'll host it. And um, I ended up emceeing a lot of events, uh, doing a lot of, like, red carpet interviews, that sort of thing. And I remember my junior year came along, and Cornell has an externship program where it's like an internship during your Christmas break, but they pair you with a Cornell alum. Okay. And one of my really good friends, 
he was like, you know what? You should do something in journalism for this. I was like, no, I should, I should try and get paired up with a lawyer. He's like, no, 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 just try it. He's like, it'll look good on your resume. Just try it out. So uh, I got an externship with the Virginian Pilot newspaper in Virginia Beach, Virginia, and uh, loved it. I shadowed the uh, local editor for the newspaper. Uh, but one day I went out to the parking lot and I was like looking around at the cars and everyone was driving like a Honda Civic, Honda Accord. I'm like, I drive a Honda Civic now. I don't have an Ivy League degree to be making Honda Civic money for the rest of my life. And this is kind of when newspapers started their decline uh, just because they couldn't find a way to profit in the new media landscape. Okay. So I uh, went back to school. I'm a junior. It's my uh, spring semester. And my friends are like, all right, so what are you going to do this summer? And I was like, well, I need to try and get an internship at a law firm. And they're like, no, 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 try TV, try TV. There's more money in TV. So I applied to 50 million internships, uh, got rejected from 50 million internships. <laughs> and uh, the day before the application for uh, the Fox News uh, internship was due, I was like, all right, God, I'm going to send off this application. If I don't get it, I need to start studying for the LSAT. This isn't for me. So I filled it out, faxed it off. The next day I was in the CAF, and I get a call from an unknown number. Normally I wouldn't answer, but something told me to pick up the phone. So I pick it up, I'm like, hello. And they're like, hey, this is Matt Martucci with the Fox News. <laughs> like, it was Janelle Fort there. I'm like, this is her. He's like, hey, I saw your internship application. Uh, can you interview right now on the spot? <laughs> okay, sure. So I did the interview. At the end of my interview, he's like, so are you still interested in the internship? And I said, yes. He's like, all right, send me these. And, you know, your start date is this day. Um, and the rest is kind of history from there. So I went, I interned there. I had no idea what I was doing. I was kind of thrown into the mix uh, with very little knowledge. Uh, came back to Cornell. I played volleyball my first three years there. Um, but my senior year, I didn't. So I ended up um, working with the local news station in upstate New York. And pretty early on, I realized that I didn't have the technical skills to do my job. Um, so I was like, well, you know, I was going to go to law school anyways. What's another year of school? So I applied to master's programs, ended up choosing to go to Northwestern's Medill School of Journalism in Chicago, which is where I'm from originally. Um, and their program was a year long. So I moved back to Chicago three weeks after graduating from Cornell, did the year program, and then uh, started my job hunt. So while I was at Northwestern, I worked for my thesis. I went to D.C., and I was in D.C. for a little over three months, and I was credentialed in the Capitol and in the White House, just covering news for different national organizations. And then uh, moved back to Chicago, graduated, took a couple of months off, um, went to – there's a huge journalism conference every year, National Association of Black Journalists, went to the convention – uh, began interviewing and then landed my first job in Biloxi, Mississippi, somewhere I had never been mm -hmm. <laughs> my entire life. <laughs> uh, worked there for two years and three months. I was the weekend morning anchor there and a weekday reporter. I actually had a bureau in Jackson County, which is their most industrial county in the state of Mississippi. So I kind of owned that area. That was kind of my beat. And then um, folks here in Houston saw my stuff, liked it. Gave me a call and like, hey, you want to move to Houston? So came, interviewed, they liked me, and I ended up here. So I've been here a little over a year and a half. Okay, so you you, you know, how do we fare up against Biloxi? <laughs> uh, well, there's lots more to do here. Uh -huh. uh, Biloxi has a nicer beach, I'll say that. But okay. 
So throughout this journey that you've had, um, what are, what have been some of the obstacles? I think one of the big ones early on was that, um, I didn't have a formal journalism training initially, like coming out of undergrad. So when I was working at the station, when I was still in undergrad at Cornell, um, the people around me just had so many more skills than I did, technical skills as far as, because when you start off in this industry and kind of how the industry is going now, uh, reporters have to know how to work a camera, how to shoot, how to edit, how to do everything themselves. Like we're slowly moving into this era of one man banning as, as they call it, where the reporter literally is not just asking questions and holding a microphone, but they're also behind the camera and have a lot of editorial decision on the stories that run. And uh, if you haven't gone to J school, then that's something you don't necessarily know how to do. So I think that that was one of my issues, like first off, but then I remember, um, and it's funny because I was telling someone this, I'm really glad that I did go to grad school because in order to do this, you have to have a certain level of maturity because you're in the public eye so frequently. Um, and I feel like I needed that year between undergrad and actually starting to work to kind of get that and understand that and understand what that means and understand that your representation of the company you work for. But not only that, that you are looked to in whatever community you're working in. Right. Okay. And then, of course, I mean, you go to different newsrooms where people have different backgrounds, but this is still one of those industries where um, there, it's not, there are stations that are not that diverse. Um, I've been very lucky in that the two stations that I've worked from have worked for have been very diverse, but there's a lot of newsrooms that aren't like that. Right, right. Um, you know, I've heard a lot of those stories from different, uh, from different women. You know, that have been in, that have been working in the industry for a while, just talking about the diversity, the changes that are happening now versus you know years ago, and uh, you know, just kind of having to be versatile and flexible, and to be able to really be willing to stand your ground uh, in in you know different meetings and things of that nature. Have you had any experiences where you felt like maybe you were not being heard? And if so, how did you, how did you overcome it? Not really. I feel like it's been the opposite. Okay. Uh, right now, there's an article floating around the crime. So I have box braids, which is not common at all for an on-air reporter. And uh, I got them about two weeks ago. And I remember, so in our contract, you know, standard reporter on-air talent contract, um, it has a clause in there that if you're going to drastically change your appearance, you have to get clearance on it. Uh, the big deal for women of color is that a lot of times if we want to do something that's traditionally black, so like maybe, you know, wear your hair natural and it's curls or it's kicks or put braids or twist or something like that in your hair, um, a lot of bosses say no. Right. So um, it was right before we may or may not have been getting a hurricane. And I was like, you know what? I need braids. Right. Houston <laughs> is hot. It's humid. I worked that early morning shift where I feel like in the morning it's a lot more humid than the rest of the day. Um, but in my head, I was like, you know what? I need some braids. It'll cut off some time getting ready in the morning. So I called my boss and I'm like, hey, Sally, um, can I get braids? And she's like, yeah, sure. <laughs> and I'm like, I can send you a picture of them if you want before I get them. She's like, do you not know what braids look like? I'm sure they're going to look great. <laughs> Interesting conversation, but that doesn't happen. No, like that is not the norm. That is not the standard whatsoever. Um, and it's funny because I didn't really think too much of it, but I did a 
I got them done. I did a live shot and I posted it on my Instagram with the exchange and it kind of just took off. And like so many women in this industry reached out to me like, oh my gosh, like I showed this story to my boss and now they're letting me get braids too. So I feel like there, I mean, there are times in their newsrooms where they're not as, um, I don't know, they're not moving forward in that manner, but I've been lucky in the two newsrooms that I've worked at to have really great bosses who kind of embrace diversity and understand the need for it and understand the need for uh, reporters and on-air staff that reflect the communities that they serve. Right, right. And that's that's really, I mean, I, I saw the story, so I, <laughs> I, I knew about <laughs> it. Um, and I... Um, you know, I, I was thinking, man, that's really a huge stride because, you know, we've seen as of lately, you know, I cannot remember what state it is having to have legislation in place for, you know, black women to be able to wear their hair natural and things like that. And I'm like, wow, it's really that crazy. But then I think, you know, I'm a consultant. I've worked in corporate America for a very long time before stepping out on my own. And I, I do recall other women that I've worked with having to have conversations with their boss about what it was considered neat and professional hair. And I, I would thought even then, wow, um, why can't we just, because we don't look like everyone else or our hair doesn't sit the same way, um, why would it not be considered professional? So I'm really glad to see that things are finally starting to you know, change in that area where people are not uh, assuming that everything is so, you know, th- that it's one, it's not professional, that people wouldn't be able to relate to it. And just like you said, to your point, it's a good idea to have the people we see on TV reflect who we are. It, it, you know, we'd like to be able to identify with the, the, the people that we see reporting our news because it makes us feel like, okay, they get it. They get us. So I, you know, I applaud your boss as well for, you know, being that open-minded and not even having, a, not even having to take the time to think about it. That's great. Definitely. So as I mentioned earlier, this podcast is really about helping women to find their voice or own their voice, refine their voice, those kind of things. And so I would ask you, um, what do you think, in your opinion, is um, one of the most important factors for women with owning their voices? How important is it to own their voice? And what do you think is one of the most important things about women owning their voices? I think that... As women, especially educated women in the workplace, a lot of times we get drowned out. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's a matter of realizing that the spaces that you occupy, you're there because you're qualified to be there. I think that that was one thing that I had to learn in my current role because um, I was young when I got here. Um, I made it to Houston at 25. So I've always been, and it's a running joke in our newsroom that I'm the baby. Mm-hmm. So like this past year, my birthday came along and they're like, oh my gosh, Janelle is finally 22. And it's <laughs> a running joke. But I mean, at the end of the day, like I, I have an Ivy League degree. I have a master's in journalism. You know, I have some experience. I've worked in DC. So just kind of getting there and not being overly intimidated by the great journalists that surround me. And I mean, like that can kind of carry over to whatever industry you work in. But like realizing that there's a reason you're there. So like not doubting yourself, I think is the first step and kind of, uh, 
embracing your voice and having your voice in your workplace and in your life. Um, and then the second step, I think, is just being confident in what you have to say. I know that before I'll speak up on something, I'll really, like, I don't know, I'll kind of go through and reflect on it and see, A, if there's a necessary like if there's a necessity for me to speak upon whatever I feel like I have to speak upon, but be like kind of going about how I'm going to do it. Okay. So I don't get intimidated. Right. Um, so I feel like those are the two big things. Okay. And so the final thing, what would you say to a young listener right now who's trying to make the decision about where she wants to go? Does she want to be in the news? Does she want to, you know, make sure that she's not driving a Honda Civic, you know, for the rest of her <laughs> career? Uh, how, how did she make, what, what would you say to them? What would be their first steps if they want to go after the same type of career that you have right now? I think that the first thing is figuring out why you want to be a journalist. Okay. Um, because a lot of people see us on TV mm-hmm. and they want to be on TV. Right. And that's not the bulk of what the industry is, that's not what it is. Um, there's a lot of hard work that goes in behind the scenes for the, you know, however many minute 30 you're on, on TV daily. Um, so that would be the first thing. The second thing is that, and it goes kind of hand in hand with that, is that this is one of those industries where when you start off, you are not making any type of money. And when I say not making any type of money, I mean, I have friends who started off in their first market making like $25,000 a year. Okay. So it's one of those things where you actually have to really want it. And then you go, you work that small market job for your two-year contract, you grind it out, and then you're able to kind of level up to the next pay grade and the next pay grade until you're, you know, in a top 10 market like Houston making a significant amount of money or you're at the network making a significant amount of money. But uh, this is one of those industries that I feel like it really weeds people out in those smaller markets because you're making so little and the demand is so high. Right. Okay. Well, uh, I, so that would be the, that would, I, th- I think that would be the biggest thing to someone who's trying to make the decision. Like, is this a, something you really want? And is this still going to be something you really want when you're not making anything? Right. And then, you know, that's a huge question. And I tell ladies that often, you know, is this something you want to do for money or is this something you want to do because there's a passion there? And, um, because you you talked in the beginning, we talked about early mornings, but they're also late nights. It's not exactly. about the glamour. It's not about the Instagram shot, you know, all the time. And I think with social media being so prevalent today, a lot of women and young women especially see things. And if they see it on TV, that has to be it. That has to be the glamour of it. I want to do that. But ensuring that they understand what that means, everything that goes along with, like you said, that minute, minute, minute and a half that you're on TV, there's several hours of work that went into that one minute or so. So um, that's really good advice. I thank you for that. Well, um, that's all we have. I thank you so much. Uh, Janelle for being on empowering you and for sharing your words of wisdom and your story really because I think you know it's it's a good um, it's a good story to tell of how you came here it wasn't traditional like you said and sometimes people feel like oh I didn't go the traditional route therefore it's not going to work no everybody has a different path and um, you still can end up in you know a positive place so I, I appreciate you for sharing I appreciate you for getting up at four 30 every morning (laughs) 
<laughs> and bringing us the news. Um, and just thank you for spending some time with us on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. And for everyone listening, thank you for listening to Empowering You. If you have any questions, please go out to our website, empoweringyou.com. That's E-M-P-O-W-H-E-R-I-N-G-Y-O-U.com. There you can purchase the book, Empowering You, 12 Tips for Finding Your Voice. You can also um, see the last few tour dates that I have um, since I've been on this book tour this year and promoting the book. Or you can find us on um Apple Podcast and even on SoundCloud. Be sure to subscribe and share with your network. And until next week, we say thank you very much and goodbye.